This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Steelers strike first in Baltimore. They are up 7 to nothing on the Ravens' backups. This game means everything for Pittsburgh just because they get a win and a Buffalo Bills loss tomorrow on Sunday Night Football, and they're in. They're in the playoffs, or they get the win and Jacksonville loses. There are some other situations that evolve, like ties. But what a season it would be for Mike Tomlin with you know his quarterback situation. Another winning season, 17 winning season in Pittsburgh, and they get back to the playoffs. But uh, we are talking about the Knicks, so we go to Kaz, uh, who was on Twitter last night. He did say Knicks get this win. He was going to get real ignorant, and you can follow Kaz. He does a lot of great work all over the place. He's got the uh, uh, MSG gig going, doing, doing big work. He's got the podcast with, uh, with Low Key, hip-hop. He's doing wrestling. He's doing everything. So what's up, Kaz? First time I get to interview you on the show. What's going on, bro? Ty, I feel good, man. I feel good. It really is an honor to be on the radio with you today. Listen to you every weekend, man. I'm glad we finally do this proper, man. Finally. Yes, sir. And I just I just uh, joked with the producers because they said, uh, they're like, yo, we're trying to get Kaz on the phone. He hasn't picked up. And I texted you, and you're like, oh, it's the 866 number. So I said, listen, y'all got to know, us black people, we don't just be answering you know, random <laughs> phone calls. We got to know who it is. This this could be some shenanigans we don't want. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I'm like you got to give him, you got to hey, let him hey, know who listen. you are. Listen, listen, I got I got to lock it now. But you know black people, we don't just answer a phone for nobody, man. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even a scam likely either, too. So you know if a scam likely pop up, you yes, know, sir. you got to at least give it a double check. But we hit them. We hit them. We hit, man. So let's talk about last night. Uh, look, I'm, I'm a Randall guy. I've defended him. However anyone feels about Julius Randall. Uh, the fact that he goes 1 of 11 yesterday and they still win by 36 in Philadelphia gets a team with the fifth-best record in basketball. And Bede, who I think is playing better than he did during his MVP season last year, That I, I, I get you have the win against Milwaukee. You've got the win against Minnesota. To me, in my eyes, that's the best win of the season. Oh, absolutely. And you got to remember, this was right after what a lot of people believed was the toughest stretch of Knicks basketball coming into the season, right? They had a ton of games away from Madison Square Garden. They were playing some of the, you know, there was that whole thing about playing the Bucks five times instead of four times. The Knicks had every single excuse to go into this game with, with not the best record, but they came out of that stretch, you know, at least over 500. And now after this OG and Anobi trade and not just getting signature wins, but getting signature wins without necessarily huge stand-up performances from the star players, you got to remember that Minnesota game, Jalen Brunson didn't really shoot the ball all yeah. that well. And now against the Philadelphia 76ers going against Joel Embiid, Julius Randle didn't necessarily shoot the ball that well. And it, it's really starting to see the depth and the chemistry that's come with this Knicks team that you don't need necessarily your best players to have, you know, the standout games in order to uh, get these victories. So it is really encouraging if you're a Knicks fan. And I, I had this game against the Sixers circled for a couple of weeks because, you know, I watched the Sixers all season long. I think Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid were playing like the best duo in the NBA for a long time. And just judging on how the chemistry of this team has sort of come together so quickly with OG Ananobi and the spacing that's sort of improved so quickly, uh, you know, with, with his addition to the team. And not to mention Dante DiVincenzo, man, his yeah. ability to spread that court and get them that option that, you know, not for nothing – 
they were looking for with Evan Fournier that hadn't really panned out. They were looking for for Quentin Grimes that was kind of off and off a little bit. Even Chenzo has become that knockdown space floor that these two ISO-heavy players absolutely needed. And now you're seeing the benefits of it. And now, you know, we're not talking about 1A basketball players no more. We're talking about a Knicks team that absolutely looks like uh, they're going to have something to say about who comes out the Eastern Conference this year. I stand on that. DiVincenzo is on a heater right now, shooting 44% from three. And to your point, when you have the ball-dominant guys in Brunson and Randall, who, yes, can hit threes. Brunson's having a career year from beyond the arc. They're best when they're penetrating in the paint, so having kick-out shooters is important. Uh, you mentioned, um, you just mentioned the 1A thing, because Becky Hammond, she, she put a battery in the back of the entire Nick fan base when she made her comments. Here, here's what I will ask you, because I, I just don't understand what part of what, uh, what she said that we disagree with. It's, it's no knock on Jalen. We just have 77 years of evidence of NBA history that if you're not an all-time great player as the best player on a team, you know, outside of the 04 Pistons or oh, the 79 Sonics, for the most part, you need LeBron or KD or Wilt or Bill Russell or Jordan, of course, Kobe, Shaq. Like, you need those guys. Bird magic. Like, you need you need an upper echelon all-time great player to win a championship. And unless you think Jalen Brunson is that, I just don't know how we can knock Becky Hammond for her comments. You, you see, that's, that, that's the jig that they was pulling with that, right? I don't think Knicks fans were necessarily mad at the comment. They're just, obviously, Knicks fans are, are crazy when it comes to media coverage. And it wasn't so much about Becky Hammond being right or wrong. It's just the way that people outside of the New York bubble talk about this New York Knicks team, right? It's like they can't, you know, anybody who's a New York Knicks fan, it's a hard opportunity to just enjoy what you're seeing. It's always, well, they need a superstar or they need to take this next step. Like Knicks fans never get the chance to truly enjoy competent basketball, which they're enjoying for the first time in my adult life for a sustained amount of time. And it can't even be enjoyed to to that point where people got to say, well, they're not good as LeBron and Steph Curry. Well, who is, you know, LeBron and Steph Curry for a reason. So as much as I love Becky Hammond, and, and I think she's one of the most incredible basketball minds and, and basketball players uh, of, of a generation, it, it definitely did put a battery in a lot of Knicks fans back and say, you know what, instead of thinking about who, you know, Knicks could trade for, and we knew in the beginning of the season, everyone was sort of, waving the magic wand and hoping Giannis would, would opt out and go to New York. And then he was waving the magic wand and say, okay, maybe Joel Embiid. And then, you know, it was the next guy, the next guy. At this point, I think Knicks fans, they saw that comment. And, and not only that, they see that how good Jalen Brunson had been playing yeah. up until that point. I, feel like, that. I, mean, I watch NBA today every day and just seeing that, they couldn't even just, you know, appreciate how good he's playing and just have to put him up against, well, he's not LeBron James. He's not Stephen Curry. Well, not a lot of people are. Like, so I feel that. That has been a absolute rallying cry for Knicks fans everywhere about the whole 1A thing, and, and, I, and I love to see it because Jalen Brunson's been showing a lot of people that, yes, he probably is or possibly is as good as people are saying, and, you know, that's why they play the game. Nah, he's a, he's a baller, man, and, and this dude, every single night, like you, you brought up, you know, the game against Minnesota. He's so good that you're shocked whenever he's not dropping 30. Uh, but I, I, I've delayed it enough. Uh, the reason why I reached out to you last night was because you had you had teased if the Knicks win this game, 
about to get real ignorant on Twitter. So, you know, I, I'm like, uh, look, I, I want to see the Knicks win this game. I want to see Cavs get ignorant on Twitter. So I'm, I'm following along. I'm refreshing the timeline. I'm like, okay, let's see where that ignorance comes in. And then, of course, at 10.07, it happened. And it's, I want you with the, you know, the, the fist emoji at Celtics. So explain this tweet for me. Explain this tweet for me pretty, pretty please. Uh, you my guy, man. I, they must to explain, bro. I think the New York Knicks, the, the the beginning of this NBA season, I think the Knicks got stat on not great teams, right? Like, I think they had a pretty decent record against teams that weren't necessarily either over 500 or what a lot of people would assume are championship level or contenders, right? And just in this past week or in these past, uh, I would say since Christmas, the big game against the Milwaukee Bucks sort of put teams on notice. The game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, OG Ananobi's first game, put teams on notice. And now the Sixers game last night absolutely put the league on notice. And when it comes to the Eastern Conference, there's really one team left. I know you online. I know you see the memes with, with the Grim Reaper knocking on doors and going through the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, and coming through with the blood trail. Like the Boston <laughs> Celtics, in my opinion, are the last door that needs to be knocked open right now at this point. It's like, all right, we've heard so much about what this Knicks team isn't. There's only one way right now for everybody in the league who either talks about this game for a living or watches it as a fan to really know where this team stands. And that's why I said I want the Celtics. They're <laughs> undefeated at home. They're absolutely the best team in the Eastern Conference. They got three A-level players. And, my gosh, we've seen how much Kristaps Porzingis has really, you know, elevated the ceiling of this Boston Celtics team as long as he can stay on the floor. And, of course, it stings a little bit knowing it's Kristaps Porzingis and everything that's happened with the New York Knicks. So, at this point, nobody's beating them in Boston. Everybody kind of assumes the Eastern Conference is going to go through them. I want to see what the New York Knicks, with this, with the way Isaiah Hartenstein is playing, with OG Ananobi being an absolute plus-minus dynamo, with bench, Randall, Brunson. I want to see if they can really stand up with this new-look Knicks team against a team in the Boston Celtics, which I believe could possibly be in the NBA Finals, right? So, Yes, I, I, I ain't double-talking. Ain't nothing for me to really I like explain. it. You want the smoke, Cass. You want the smoke. Good. I want all the smoke. You I want, want all the smoke. smoke. Right, and look, <laughs> so next, uh, unfortunately, we got to wait till what, February 24th. I think that's an ABC game at the Garden. Uh, so it's, it's going to be fun with Breen, Doris, and Doc on the call. Uh, Knicks hosting the Celtics. So we're going to have to wait some time. Uh, here, so here's the thing about Boston. I agree with you, and it's scary because I'm a Lakers fan. I don't want to see the Celtics win a championship. They are starting to give me 2008 vibes, and I don't love it just because for the reasons you mentioned, how loaded they are with the high-end talent, but also the bench unit, man. Oh, you got Celtics fans talking about Derek White's an all-star. I'm not buying that, but he has been really good this season. And, of course, Horford. The two things I, I don't know that I can trust with Boston – Still don't love their head coach, Joe Mazzula. And they, and this is like nerdy NBA stuff that only, you know, guys like you and I would appreciate. But like late game crunch time, it just feels mm. wacky to me what they do. Like, is, is it Tatum? Mm. Is it, is it Brown? Uh, are we, are we running plays? Are we running plays? Is it Drew? Like, like we just can't figure out what our identity is late in game. So that's what scares me if I'm a Celtics fan. Well, I'll tell you this, man. This is 
as a, as a long-time native New Yorker, right, like this is probably the least hateable Boston team I've ever seen, right? Like it's sort of in my blood to not like a Boston yeah. team. But, you know, I, I like Jason Tatum. I like Jalen Brown. Derek White is playing good. Drew Hobbe, obviously, Porzingis does his thing. You know, you always got to give respect to them. But at the same time, I was talking about this last season and just knowing that if the Boston Celtics are going to be in the dogfight and it's going to come down to X's and O's and execution and being able to execute at the, at the very end of the game, it's going to become a, a battle of the minds. And in the past, you said it. You took the words right out of my mouth. Joe Missoula has been the reason that this Boston Celtics team hasn't been able to get over the hump, hasn't been able to execute in late-game stretches. Now, due to a lot of the missteps that they had in the last year's playoffs, has he learned from that? Has he put himself in position to execute better down the stretch and you know put together plays that can make this team go over the hump? I don't know. But in any case, man, everybody talks about it's almost like a done deal, like it's, it's a foregone conclusion that these teams are just going to automatically own the East, whether it's Philly, whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's Boston, all this stuff. I'm sorry. I know the Celtics got a million championships. Does anybody of those guys been to a final, won a final? Tatum hasn't won anything. Brown hasn't won anything. You know what I mean? Like, Drew Holiday obviously got his championship with the Milwaukee Bucks, but they also got just as much to prove as any other team in the Eastern Conference. Last time I checked, the last three championships were the Warriors, Bucks, the Bucks, the, the, the Nuggets, those are the guys, right? Like, those are the people that have the foregone championship sort of excuse of we'll see if they can do it in the finals. I haven't seen the Boston Celtics do it yet. I think people just have that, you know, that, that I'll say the, uh, the, 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 I'll say the Boston sort of hue of the, of the history and the lore and all that type of stuff. Like, Larry Bird ain't walking through that door. You know what I mean? <laughs> Robert Parrish ain't walking through that door. You feel me? Tatum, Brown, Holiday, Porzingis, and most importantly, Missoula, needs to be the person, the, the people, to make that happen. And I agree with I that. ain't seen it yet. So until it's happened, Knicks fans, New York Knicks team, I still want the smoke of Boston, and I ain't scared of nobody and wearing white, no white and green. Point I feel that. Period. I feel that. So I got two more <laughs> Nick questions for you. Uh, on the OG trade, I, obviously it's a better fit just because of what he brings defensively, the three-point shooting. But I think even more importantly is – uh, or just as important, I should say, is the fact that he can be effective and efficient without the ball, and he allows Jalen and, and Julius to run this offense. So I want to get your your thoughts on the trade overall, and you know, losing RJ. I was never high on RJ, uh, but losing him and Emmanuel quickly. I'll tell you this, man. Uh, obviously, OG Ananobi's been an incredible addition, but it definitely still does hurt to lose quickly and Barrett. Not just because I think they're they're good players and have potential and opportunities now in any situation to be great. But, you know, I'm a lifelong Knicks fan. I knew when Knicks teams were swinging and missing on draft picks year after year after year and not even getting a chance to see these type of players even develop to a, a place where teams would even want them, right? So seeing guys like R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly get traded definitely does hurt a little bit because you feel like you grow with them. You've seen them, you know, mature as NBA players before your eyes. And, you know, Knicks fans, they watch every single bounce of the ball. So, Obviously, it's going to hurt a little bit. At that same token, you get a guy like OG Ananubi who not just does the dirty work, not just is an elite defender on the side of the ball, and not only helps spread the floor alongside Dante DiVincenzo to help Brent, uh, Brunton and Randall uh, become ISO-heavy players and even score more points than they usually do, but I just love his demeanor too, right? Like he comes in 
no real drama, doesn't really talk much. No, he's like he is a, a Tom Thibodeau dream, right? Like a guy mm-hmm. who doesn't necessarily demand a whole lot of plays ran from. He literally just said, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, so I'm just gonna cut. And it results <laughs> in what? Like NBA history level plus minus when it comes to joining a new team. It, it's absolutely insane what he's been doing and, and he's still just getting comfortable, you know? He's deceptively large i feel like for a lot of times in the beginning of the season you know you would see this Knicks team line up against you know some of the elite teams in the nba and just off the eye test they just looked a little smaller than other teams and putting og in there putting hartenstein in there and even dante's ability to spread the floor they just became a bigger team like their starting five just looks like a team who can match up with anybody out there and og's ability to guard incredible perimeter defenders, incredible post players, and hit get buckets and do all the other things without necessarily needing any sort of plays or any sort of opportunities to score, it lifts the ceiling for this Knicks team. Maybe not to an NBA championship, maybe not even to an NBA finals appearance, but you got to punch a chance against anybody right now. You know, things happen. People get hurt. People miss games. People get suspended. Like, some players level up during the postseason – and now I think this Knicks team has just as good a chance as anybody in the Eastern Conference to win four games out of seven, the way Brunson, Randall, and the rest of those guys are playing. And you got a, a coach in Tom Thibodeau, which, you know, a lot of people may not be the biggest fans of him for reasons I still will never understand, but he's a battle-tested dude. He's been in these wars with, you know, some of the greats over the past two decades. So the way this team is set up, you got to take your hat off to the New York Knicks organization. you got to take your hat off rows and the way they've constructed this team. It seems like every time they've taken a swing on a trade, whether it's Josh Hart, whether it's Derrick Rose, whether it's uh, OG and Anubi, it's, it's always it's worked, worked to their benefit. So yeah. until they swing and miss on somebody, I give them all the leeway in the world to, to do, their, do their thing, build this team into what hopefully one day, maybe not this season, maybe not next season, but hopefully one day be a championship team. All right, so I know you do a lot. You're you're involved in a lot. Wrestling, of course. You you do hip hop, low key. So you 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 know dip your your toe into the waters of pop culture. Before I get out of here, uh, before you you get out of here, Cat Williams, what he did this week was that brilliant or was this incredibly dumb? <laughs> um, two things could be right at the same time, right? Like Cat Williams is. Somebody who, you know, anybody who's followed black culture or just Hollywood or stand-up comedy game knows that Cat Williams is somebody who is extremely influential, right? So even though, you know, what he said about a lot of people who people are really big fans of may give you the cross-eye or maybe the side-eye, some of it was true or not, the man came from an honest place. Uh, You know, maybe he might (laughs) have sprinkled in some uh, some, – some, some some fairy tales here and there, <laughs> but at the same time, man, like the numbers don't lie. You know that that interview with you know Shannon Sharp did what twenty five yeah. million views in less than a week, and you know I, I, I'll say this, man, like it, does it suck that sometimes that you know certain content that gets out there that gets most of the views is stuff that might be tearing down other black people, other black men? Yeah, I don't think I'm really a big fan of that, but at the same time. Was it entertaining? Was it intriguing? Was it absolutely hilarious? I mean, it was probably 
his best piece of content since it, it, it's pimping pimping <laughs> like his stand up <laughs> comedy right like I could watch that joint forever now so man listen shout out Cat Williams I've never wanted to be on his bad side you know what I mean my hairline is mine you know I'm not making <laughs> no fuck over here like I'm not you know I am who I am over here so you ain't stealing your show Cat ideas Williams. from anybody else you ain't you ain't low key and nah, steal the show I ain't no show ideas I I ain't no comic I ain't no comedian I ain't stealing no jokes and nothing like that like I might I might use somebody's video for a meme or something but I don't think that counts as stealing a joke or not so <laughs> Hopefully, Cat Williams don't get on my behind for it. But, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, – I, <laughs> I can't remember the last time an interview like this set off so many responses. It's almost like the Kendrick Lamar control verse yeah, of uh, I, stand-up comedy <laughs> where everybody needed, yeah, when, a, needed when to Kendrick respond went to at, it. You know, Kendrick went at everybody, and it forced people to respond. But, I, you know, Cat's about to go on – apparently he's going on this 100-city tour – so I feel like it was brilliant from the standpoint of, yeah, not that he needs extra sales, but people are going to be on high alert just looking for that content. And he got a you know, Kevin Hart was on the ESPN alternate broadcast last night making jokes about Cat Williams. So, I mean, it's it certainly received a lot of traffic. Yo, Kaz, really appreciate you, bro. I know you're down in Houston for the national championship game, so you carved out some time. Uh, been watching you for for a long time. Got a chance to meet you at the Garden. So uh, I'm excited for your future, man. You've been killing it. You're versatile. You do everything. So keep keep doing that thing, man. Black culture that's important for for all of us, bro. Ty, I appreciate you, man. And same over here, bro. Like I listen to you every weekend when I'm either heading to the gym or I'm you know hanging with my kids and stuff like that. Like I just love everything on ESPN Radio. All my guys over there, Alan Hahn, Rosenberg, obviously yes, Michael K. And, and you wanted them, them ones, man. So keep holding it down for us, bro. And anytime we need me on here, I'd love to pop back in, bro. Really do appreciate you. Well, we're going to do this again, man. We're going to do this again. All love, bro. Holla at me. Yes, sir. All right, that was Kaz checking in from Houston down there at the national championship game. But, you know, it was important to get him on. He, he does a lot of work for MSG. You know, he's all over the place. And, you know, getting his perspective on, you know, how – uh, he views like this Knicks team, what their ceiling is, and, and talking to the fans. Like, he's around a lot of fans, and obviously he has a vested interest in, in this group, but I, I can't be mad at him for having that opinion. I, I can disagree. I, I can say I think the Celtics are clearly better. I think the Bucks are clearly better. But I, what I'm excited about is you know, after what the, that disaster we got from our two baseball teams and then followed up the, with the hold my beer moment from the two football teams, you at least have a a, a, a stake in, in this market with a, a wildly popular organization with vibrancy in the sport that I love so we can spend the rest of the season. You know, to his point, we don't got to talk about every single day. Every time we talk about the Knicks, need the superstar, we can enjoy what it is that they're doing because it's fun. It's exciting. And whatever they get to, whatever level they get to in the playoffs, it's going to have us – you know, it's going to have us entrenched, right? So uh, where if you disagree, agree with, with the Knicks ceiling, the fact that it matters is they're an excellent basketball team right now. They're well coached, and that move at some point is going to come. But living in this moment right now, fresh off of the best one of the season, it's good to just be able to talk about a team that's, that's worth something. It's worth something. 800-919-3776. We'll hit a break and return in a moment right here on 987 ESPN. This the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 
before we go back to the phone calls at 800-919-3776, a caller earlier to me referenced Russell Wilson, and I wanted to um, uh, hit on that uh, right now. You know, the crazy part uh, of this Broncos situation is that their dream duo uh, was Rodgers Hackett, but they had to pivot once Rodgers decided to stay in Green Bay. Uh, so they not only traded for Russ, but they ended up giving him a, a monstrous extension even after he had clearly declined. And two years later, before that extension kicks in, they're moving on, which is wild. So I don't necessarily disagree with you know the philosophy of, yeah, he's not our guy. I just think that the way that it has been handled is grimy. Like it, it, it's sloppy, and it's something that should have people red hot. It's a disgrace. The fact that you're now setting a precedent that this can be done, people should be outraged that, that an NFL team can do this. It's bizarre for them to threaten you to try to circumvent paying you the money that was baked into your contract. Then this threat was essentially deferred for seven weeks, and you know they start winning a couple games. So now it's like, yeah, I know we threatened to you know bench you, but now that we're winning, let's keep you in the lineup. And then once he loses a couple games, now you go back to benching him? It just made no sense. Could you imagine a player doing business like this? What would the New York media say if next year, halfway through the season, Diana Rossini comes out with a report and it's like, you know, Rodgers went to the Jets brass, threatened them to alter the language in his contract, or he would sit out the rest of the season because of some financial incentives. What would the reaction be to that? Like we, you know, everyone would be red hot. It wouldn't be, oh, this is a shrewd move. People would be destroying him. But somehow when it's the organization that does it, all of a sudden the conversation changes. The commentary around it changes. It's crazy to me that we hold players to a higher standard than we hold management. This should not be allowed to be done. And again, I understand wanting to get out of Barry Russell Wilson. He's not the guy. But from the moment Sean Payton got there, he was trying to publicly embarrass this man. The kissing babies, you know, in that Lions loss on the sidelines, just berating him. And it felt more passionate than just a quarterback-head coach relationship, you know, based on a, a, something they disagreed with. It felt like it was more than that. And I think Russell Wilson, though not the same player he was, deserves a little bit more respect than that. So this is just shameful. Let's hit Buddha in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, what's up? You know, I was going to talk uh, who's with you, but then you brought up two topics, you know, football-wise, that, you know, I feel like I got to address. The first one is you just spoke of. That, that Lions thing, now that we have more intel on all about what was going on with the money, that it, you know, that was disrespectful. That was absolutely disrespectful. He tried to show that man up. He tried to dehumanize him. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Exactly. And, and it might and it might make him think that he's, you know, head honcho running things, but you know how it works in this world. That's a two-way street. And, you know, it's going to be hard for him to get some players to come there, and he better get the next player, the next quarterback that he gets, he better hope he gets that right because, you know, there's going to be running out of people for him to play. That, that, you know, that was disgusting. I heard T.J. Husmazada on another show saying, He's lucky he did that to Russ because Russ is the kind of guy that would take that, and I agree yeah. with that a thousand percent. Yep. I, I remember the coach um, from Houston trying to grab Ed Oliver or something like that during that. Ed Oliver was like, "Yo, get your damn hands yeah, off me! Yeah. Hold I'm up, a grown player. ass man." Yeah, hold up, player. This, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm the wrong one, basically. And he found the right one Pretty with Russell much. Wilson. And no disrespect to Russ, that's just you know not, not his character. 
That's his chi, you know? That's his style. But, I mean, and I'm not going to get mad at him or nothing like that. I mean, and anybody be a declining player. But um, when you were talking, I think the guy's name was Dave in the car and then Richard before. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really, you know, I don't watch that Pat McAfee stuff. That, that's not something of interest to me in any way, shape, or form. And I didn't really know about what the comments were that Rodgers had said. So this morning, you know, I, 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 I listened to it, you know, playback of it, and I was like, wow. You know, not only is that not a good look for him, I mean, I, I, you know, and I hate to say this, Ty, I saw a lot of this comment. not saying I saw him saying this or anything like that, but he as well is a declining player. And the fact that they've given him so much power, I heard Richard saying that they need to pull him aside. They can't pull him aside and tell him nothing. He runs the team. And the reason why that's really bad in any sport, but obviously in football, which is more of like a collision, put your your body on the line, all for one, one for all type of sport is the the reasoning behind it. And you and I have discussed this a thousand times. I wouldn't have went in that direction. I didn't think that the team was just a quarterback away. I didn't believe in the coaching staff, and I didn't believe in the GM. And you agree with that, and a few other people agreed and said that's the reason that you have to get Aaron Rodgers because you don't believe in these guys. But ultimately, to me, that is absolutely the reason that you don't get him because no, all you're doing Wait, is hang on, the inevitable. I'm, I'm gonna let you finish. Not to pull a Kanye, I'm gonna let you finish. But uh, just just make sure you're quoting me correctly. I I I didn't say I wasn't sold on them. Remember, I I actually was higher on them than that. I wasn't high on them, but it was like, I, I need to see more. It's still TBD, and I, I've got a, a, a top-five defense, a head coach who I'm still not certain about, uh, a, a, a GM who I'm still not certain about, but I can work with Aaron Rodgers. At this point, yeah, they've, I, I've, I've soured on that. Like I, I, I'm right. done with well, both well, of them. You know what? Maybe I'm mixing the, the, the messages together. I wasn't talking about what you were talking about when you first wanted to get Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about now that oh, we've now. seen this coaching okay. and gotcha. we've seen this GMing. In order to keep all to me, I, I just really it does it boggles my mind. What do you what, what does anybody think? I'm sure Woody Johnson, as clueless as he is as owner, I'm sure he doesn't believe that next year Rob Sal is gonna turn into a top tier coach. I'm sure he doesn't believe that Joe Douglas is gonna after five, six years, all of a sudden next year he's gonna get the offensive line back in play. So basically, it's about it's not even about Rodgers holding the team hostage. It's about the team not having any clear cut direction, which is the worst thing in the world. With whatever business you're running, when mm-hmm. you're like, look, we're just gonna stay afloat. Imagine <laughs> if you listen, you're a property manager, right? You own buildings, right? You got a um, you got a superintendent of your building who's he's like he's 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 inept. He's not doing the job the right way. So your thing is to hire the handyman. And the handyman who works under him is going to get everything fixed. For all <laughs> that, you might as well just clean house. That yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I don't mean, understand it. when the team is going to get a sense of direction. It's very After next season, Buddha. Buddha. No, Buddha, I, I appreciate the call, man. I got to run. I got Cynthia coming on. But after next season is when you're going to have the cleaning, uh, the cleaning of this house if, if things don't get in order. Cynthia Freeley and NFL Network is going to join us next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This. The Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Head to the NFL Network Zone. She does an exceptional job on that network. She is Cynthia Freeland. Usually Cynthia is on with Anita, but Anita's out today. So I said, you know what? Let's steal her and get her to spread her brilliance on this program. What's up, Cynthia? How you doing? 
I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you joining the show. So it's seven seven right now. Steelers driving, uh, looking to get into field goal range. You have them winning this game. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on on Pittsburgh? Well, I think part of the reason, I mean, look, Mason Rudolph, he has been playing very well for them. This is kind of like a Mike Tomlin. This is like a Mike Tomlin special, right? It's like all coaching, some backups, week eighteen. No one knows what to expect. It's it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, this is just it, like you really revert to who the coach is and how they can orchestrate a good game. I understand that. All right, so before we get to like the plays and you know, you know, fantasy, I gotta I gotta ask you this just because I know you're a Lions fan. What did you make of that mess oh, that happened in Dallas last uh, last Saturday night? I mean. I think it'd be it'd be oh, like it'd be it'd feel a little bit different if they would just come out and be like, "Hey, so we messed that up, and I'm sorry." But it feels like they're kind of like, "Nope, we didn't do anything wrong. Like nothing happened here, nothing to see." And that's where it gets annoying because you know everyone watched that, everyone saw it, they can see what like it's all right. Like you know what it, you know, seventy reporting, sixty-eight reporting, like. 70 had reported earlier in the game. 68 reported on that play. 70 wasn't even like there. He didn't make the he didn't make the uh, you know the signal like whatever. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't change anything. But it's it's frustrating. That's for sure. <laughs> it has to be very frustrating. All right. So how do you generally look at plays in week t- in week 18 when it comes to fantasy? When it comes to everything that you're doing? Uh, when many of these teams have nothing to play for? Like what should the uh, the audience, how should they frame uh, what they do in, in Week 18? Yeah, I mean, look, the the truth is, is you got to be really careful because it's really silly to try to to try to outthink it, right? Like the teams who have something to play for, you play those guys. The teams that don't have something to play for, if you want to maybe potentially take one of their backups, like Ronnie Bell. Like if you're playing daily fantasy and you're looking for a good play, like that's a really nice undervalued receiver in terms of the price that. You know, they have for him on DraftKings, at least that's what I just looked at a second ago, like in the 3,000s, and he'll get a chance to start today. So you get to look for some disproportionate value there, which is, I mean, it's pretty cool. But, like, again, like if you had taken any Ravens players, you, you knew they weren't going to play, you know, you, you knew that wasn't going to be the case. And this just comes down to, you know, they're, gonna, they're, they're trying to figure out what's best for them heading into the playoffs. They've already, you know, they know they're not playing next week, et cetera. So, that's kind of what I'm talking about there. Like, just go with what you know and stay away from the ones that you have no idea. All right, which is is, is good because tonight's game matters for both teams with, uh, with the Colts and the Texans. Yep. So who do you like uh, in, in this game as far as fantasy? You know, I think it's interesting because I saw a report that came out that Devin Singletary is going to try to, like, they're going to try to use him a lot more. Okay, that's interesting. But let's be honest, the Houston team hasn't really been a run-first team all season long. It's been you know, some Damian Pierce, some Devin Singletary in specific moments, sure. But if I'm looking at the, like, where you can really, like, smoke the Colts defense, I think they're, like, intermediate level. They're missing some linebackers there that could be really helpful. So if I'm looking, I mean, Dalton Schultz, I think, has, has a, a very big game. I think, you know, I think I saw some line of, for four and a half catches for him, and I think he well exceeds that. But also I'm looking at, you know, you could look at Nico Collins, who's had an exceptional week as well. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to buy the debate about the Devin Singletary too much. I don't know what his price is for daily, but you know, I, I, I think that's interesting, but I'm going to go with the pass catchers because they like to pass the football. In fact, 
C.J. Stroud's like, you know, breaking rookie records for downfield passes this season. All right, how about we look at the slate tomorrow? Who are some uh, quarterbacks you like tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, you know Dallas is going to come out there and trot out their best because they don't want to leave anything to chance with stealing potential home games throughout the playoffs. They need that number two ranking. Like, people talking about, oh, you know, their home versus away splits. But, you know, they, they'd like to they'd like to seal up that, that home field advantage. So they're going to play. I love everyone in that game, including Tony Pollard, who sometimes – hasn't really performed for fantasy players the way we expected, but Washington's a good test for them in a lot of ways, but not the least of which is to see, like, can the play calling be a little bit more balanced heading into the playoffs for the Cowboys? So love everyone on that team. I'm staying away from my Lions. I know that Dan, you know, that the coach said, Dan Campbell said that they're going to be playing the starters, but that doesn't mean they're going to be playing a full game. So stay away from that. I'm looking at, like, in this uh, Green Bay Packers and uh, Chicago Bears game. I think you're you're really you'd be smart to think that like DJ Moore could have a, a nice situation here, and I think Justin Fields, especially with those rushing yards for fantasy, is going to be a good pick. Uh, anything for the night game? You've got uh, the uh, of course the for the NFC. I'm sorry, the AFC East, the Bills and the Dolphins. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, th- I don't think Xavier Howard's going to be playing for the Dolphins in the secondary. And you saw what happened last time. There was no Jalen Ramsey. So they targeted a guy with the last name of Kohu last time, and that's where Stephon Diggs did a bunch of damage. Because we haven't seen a lot of that chemistry between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in recent weeks, I think this is a great opportunity for them to sort of get right, especially when you look at the combined effect of how well that O-line's been playing, but also the fact that, unfortunately for the Dolphins, you don't have Bradley Chubb in addition to Jalen Phillips now. So while they do have a lot of good pass rushers left, they don't have two key ones that they had earlier this season. All right, so I, I'm conflicted just because, and we're talking to Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network, like when you talk about, you know, teams with, with a lot to play for, but do they play the entire game? Like the Lions are in a situation where they obviously can still get the number two seed, uh, but a lot of other things need to happen, right? The Eagles and the Cowboys both have to lose. A.J. Brown, like would that be a good play against a, a Giants defense that can give us some yards, some touchdowns? You just don't know if Sirianni is going to keep his guys in. If he looks up and the Cowboys are up 21 nothing, they can kind of clear uh, clear their starters. So is, would that be a good play, or, or is that a situation where you stay away? I'm staying away from AJ Brown. I'm only playing. I'm only like playing daily anymore because my season long is already over. And in daily, he's just too expensive, even though he's been, you know, creeping down in price due to performance. But it just doesn't feel like a situation where he's in. It's just not. It's not a great. It's not a great play for him. Deontay Banks has actually played really well for the Giants this year. His ball hawk rate ranks number one among rookies, which is kind of wild if you think about it. Because guys like Devin Witherspoon, like Brian Branch, they're at least in talks for, you know, defensive rookie of the year play. So I just don't – I'm not going to rely on that in this one. Plus, I also think that this is a type of game where they're going to want to slow down the pace significantly, keep their defense off the field. It's not Jalen Hurts that's the problem. It's the Eagles' defense that's the problem. So what do you do for that? You run the football. And perhaps this is where we see a little bit more of DeAndre Swift's net impact, but – it could also be actually Jalen Hurts himself. So I think they're going to try to play a little bit more ball control. I, I don't trust. I don't trust AJ Brown in this matchup, especially now. You know, no Devontae Smith means they're going to be able to key on him with their better secondary players. So Jet fans can appreciate this. You get Sam Darnold starting tomorrow for San Francisco. Uh, any 
<laughs> idea if he could have, you know, some success? I mean, it's Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz. Like, there we go. Could we transport back in time several years, so <laughs> kind of wild. Sure, he could absolutely have some success. Sam Darnold's a. I think sometimes we forget that, like, just because it didn't work out one place doesn't mean like with a little bit of like a different system, things could look a lot, a lot more impressive, right? So, and I think Sam Darnold would be able to operate. Obviously, it would be a lot better for Sam Darnold if, you know, guys named, like, Christian McCaffrey were out there. Like, you know, the big-name guys. But Sam Darnold can sling it. And that secondary for the Rams is super vulnerable. Like, Aaron Donald is not, you know, it, it, you know I, don't, I do not believe he will be playing. So that's going to be a, a really nice upgrade for Sam Darnold in terms of not getting housed by a, a pass, uh, you know, the pass rusher like that. All right, final question for you. Uh, final day of the regular season, and we head into the playoffs. Obviously, Baltimore is locked up the number one seed. San Francisco is locked up the number one seed in the NFC. Still a whole lot of playoff implications, but got to get your Super Bowl prediction because this might be the last time I get a chance to talk to you on the year. Any idea of who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl this year? You know, it's very hard to imagine a world where the Ravens, with the type of rhythm that they were in last game, if they can keep that up, like, the Ravens feel like in the AFC it's going to be hard to top them. Although, I will say if they draw a matchup with the Browns, the Browns, uh, for whatever reason, like the whole Flacco revenge on the Ravens, like, that's, that would be interesting to see. It wouldn't be total division, obviously, but, like, that's, that's interesting. So, But I think right now it'd, it'd be hard to top the Ravens with what they can do, especially on defense. And then on the NFC side, I understand, like, Niners look great in those one-game sample size. I don't know. I think – I truly think, and I'm being maybe I'm a little bit of a homer, but I feel like because it's a one-game sample size only, you could easily get a world where if the Lions can stay focused, they get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back. This, you know, he he just got activated like literally this afternoon. That's a big uptick. You saw them, in my opinion, beat the Cowboys or almost beat the Cowboys in Jerry's world. The whole thing. I don't know. In a one game, the NFC to me feels like you could certainly, you could, I could certainly see someone else getting in there beyond the beyond the Niners. And you might get a chance to, uh, maybe, maybe we'll see a rematch between the, the Cowboys and the Lions and root to that. And you, you bring up uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. CJ uh, Gardner Johnson. Yes, he was. Uh, Johnson actually to help out with CD Lamb. Goodness gracious. Yeah. You, th- you think the Eagles miss him? <laughs> <laughs> think the uh, Eagles a miss- little bit. A little bit. Well, Cynthia, we really appreciate you joining the show. You do an excellent job for the NFL Network, so make sure you guys check her out tomorrow. She'll be giving you all the plays, all the action. Thank you so much, Cynthia. You got it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great afternoon. You as well. 800-919-3776. We still have a half hour to play with on the program, so let's do like a you know full buffet. I've got some thoughts on baseball I want to get to. Uh, we, of course, have the Jets and the Giants in action for the final time uh, tomorrow. Giants playing against the Eagles at home. Then you have the Jets on the road in Foxborough. The Knicks, we were leading into the pregame show of their game against the Wizards. So everything is on the table, 800-919-3776. Uh, so still a whole lot to do. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Ty D. Butler. Instagram as well. Get us on the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Final half hour of the show coming up on 98.7 ESPN. 